Today we're going to talk about the church. We're going to talk about the local church because for the most part in the New Testament, it was about the local church, the church at Colossae, the church at Philippi, the church at Thessalonica. And so we're going to talk about the church, but we're going to look at it in terms of the summary that Luke used. Luke loved summaries. He did that in the gospel. Jesus went about all of the territory preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, calling people to repentance and faith. A summary of his preaching. And in Acts, particularly in the early portions, he summarizes what was happening. So this passage is what happened almost immediately after the crucifixion and the resurrection, the uh, the, the giving, the uh, ascension of Jesus at 40 days, the giving of the Spirit at 50 days. And so 50 days out, here's what had happened. The Holy Spirit had been given to the church. The people around from all the nations heard the gospel preached in their own language. They, they recognized that the gospel message was going out. And here's what the scripture says in Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to begin with verse 40, and your text will pick up in 41. With many other words, Simon Peter warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The next verse tells you what the, the, the biblical church looks like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then the more general summary. Everyone was filled with, with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they committed to meet together and continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I want to use this passage to talk about our church, talk about who we are based on the word of God. What are the biblical characteristics of a church? I want to talk with you about where we are today compared to where we were before the pandemic. And then I want to talk about our future. It's the kind of thing that I've done through the years. I used to have vision meetings. We would meet together at, on a night, a particular night, and we'd invite all of the committees and the teams that worked and all of the deacons and all of those who were teaching in anything, and we would spend an hour or so just talking about what we wanted to accomplish and what we wanted to take place. And those were days in which there were things were changing all of the time. We went from one worship service to two. 
we went from two to three, and then we decided we needed to be doing something else. We started talking about buying property and moving to a different place. And to get to there, we had four worship services at the same in the, in the morning, two of them at the same time. We always thought it was a great accomplishment. When in the back hall, after I'd preached first in one service, I met the band in the hall and we were swapping like this. We would give high fives to each other. We got it right. And we had four worship services. And so we've always talked about that vision that God has given us. So let's talk about the church. Let's talk about the characteristics of a biblical church. And at the very beginning, you, you have to ask the question, can a church be a church if it's not a biblical church? Can a church be a church if it doesn't follow the words of Jesus and the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Can a church be a church if it does its own thing, whatever it thinks is right, whatever it might want to do? What we want to be, what I truly believe that you want, and certainly what I want, is that we are a biblical church and we follow those characteristics. Now, you could find a number of characteristics of biblical churches, but these four are set right there before us in verse 42. So what were the characteristics? Well, the first thing is they followed scriptural truth. The text says they followed the apostles' teaching. So the first question we ought to ask is, who were the apostles? And among Christians today, there are different ideas about apostles, the word literally means one sent, and so there are some denominations who call their pastor apostle, and he is given a title. He is apostle, and then the pastor's name. Here's what I see from the New Testament of what an apostle is. Apostles were a limited number of people. They did not go past about 100 A.D. And how do we know that? And why would I say that? From biblical sources. The apostles were people who had experienced two things. And if you want to go back and look at it, in Acts chapter 1, Simon Peter, after the ascension of Jesus said, it is time for us to replace Judas who betrayed the Lord and who died at his own hand. And they made two nominations. I'm just using our language. They put up two men, and they had qualifications for those men. And the qualifications were these, that they have been with us from the beginning, and the beginning was the baptism of John the Baptist. And, of course, we know that Jesus was baptized of John. Nothing is said about the disciples, but wouldn't it make sense that possibly the disciples were baptized also? So we want somebody who has been with us from the beginning, from the baptism of John to the crucifixion and the resurrection. In other words, people who could say, oh, of course he walked on water. I was there. 
Of course he fed 5,000. I was there. I ate part of the bread, part of the fish. Of course he made the lame to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear. And yes, he raised the dead. I saw those things. It's very hard to refute an eyewitness. Very hard to disagree with an eyewitness. So Simon Peter, and I have no question about the direction of God at this point, Simon Peter in the leadership of the Spirit of God said, we want someone who has seen it all and who can testify of it all. And a second thing, who can be an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also called Justice, Sometimes it's easy to get people mixed up in the New Testament because they had three names and used all three of them. I mean, think about Simon, Peter, Cephas. You have three names for Simon Peter. And, and so you, this was often the case. So there is Joseph, also known as Barsabbas and Justice, and there was Matthias. And they cast lots, and Matthias was selected. And he became the apostle in the place of Peter, of Judas. But that doesn't mean they were the only apostles. Paul was an apostle. Barnabas was an apostle. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, was an apostle. You could probably name others, and I don't know who else they would have named, but they followed the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? It was scriptural truth. It's what Jesus had said. It's what they heard. It's what they saw. It's what they experienced. And our church needs to be a church based on scriptural truth. We need to be a people who live for God and honor God and follow his word. Remember, they, they based it on the apostles' teaching because they didn't have a New Testament. The New Testament came from the apostles' teaching. A great passage to look at this is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. And here's what Paul wrote. Consequently, writing to the church who had been chosen of God, called out to serve him, consequently... You are no longer you're no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household and then he's going to give the metaphor of the church as a building now not in the way you and I do that we talk about we're going to the building but we talk about we're going to the church but this is a metaphor that built on the apostles' teaching and the prophets. So the teaching of the New Testament, who were the prophets? Not the Old Testament prophets, but the New Testament prophets. Also, a limited number of people. Because when the Scripture came, you no longer needed those people going around saying, this is the Word of God. But they build on the apostles' teaching and on the prophet with Jesus, the chief cornerstone. So God is building his house. It is built on that foundation of scriptural truth that it was given by the apostles and the prophets. A second thing that you find in this passage of scripture is fellowship. 
It means a partnership, a partnership in the gospel. We get hung up on, we have a fellowship and we'll eat food and we will stand around and we will play games and that is a fellowship. And by the way, that can be a fellowship. But the word means a partnership. It's the idea of two people or 10 people going on a mission trip and working hard with one another. And they draw closer and closer together because they have a partnership in the gospel. And you and I need that fellowship where everybody counts, where everybody's important, where we reach out to anybody and everybody with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting them to know God and and encouraging people along the way. I don't have to tell you, everybody needs encouragement. Everybody wants to know, if I go to that church, do they want me to come? Is it okay if I come? I'm always amazed at this, but people will say, thank you so much for letting, talking to me, thank you so much for letting me come to your church. And it just seems so strange to me, but everybody needs to be welcomed. Everybody needs to be encouraged. Everybody needs to know that they matter. They had fellowship. A third thing that they did was they worshiped. They praised God. They broke bread together. They met together as the people of God and as the family of God. Our church is built on a model that has a big meeting and that has small meetings. We have the big meeting in here. We have the small meetings beforehand in Bible study for your group. We also have them on Saturday night, 8.15, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. We have the big meeting and we have the small meeting. They met together for the big meeting, the family of God, worshiping God, exalting him. The fourth characteristic of a biblical church is fervent prayer. It is seeking God. It is putting him above all and offering ourselves unto him and asking him to bless and to work in our midst. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Please don't forget these things. And let's not make church what we want it to be. That suits our, that fits our suitabilities and works according to what we've always done or according to what somebody else has done or according to what we think ought to be done. Let us be a people who follow Scripture, who fellowship in the gospel, who worship the Lord, and who turn to Him in prayer. Let's think about where we are as a church. And let's think about what we've been through. And let's think about what has happened in our world. Here's what the headlines this week said. Fewer people are going to church after the pandemic. And we certainly can know that's the case. I, my guess is that fewer people are going to, this is my view, it's my opinion, I hold it very strongly, but it's just my opinion. My opinion is that those churches are not doing after the pandemic are most likely non-biblical churches. 
who are not preaching the truth of God's word. But church is less after the pandemic. And a lot of people have dropped out because of fear. A lot of people died. A lot of people died in this congregation who are very fervent, very devoted to the Lord. It's hard to replace those kind of people. I would encourage you to become those kind of people. What did those people do? They gave, they prayed, they worshiped, they encouraged, they welcomed, they witnessed of their faith, they gave testimony of what Christ had done in their lives. A church cannot have too many people like that. When you have those kind of people, then the church flourishes. And here's what's happened to us from between 2019, remember 2020, in March 13th, according to my reckoning, the pandemic began. We were nine weeks without meeting. We finally said we're going to go back. And uh, one time I said it may be Martha and me in the building, but we're going to have church. And uh, But the good news is you showed up in droves and we met together as the family of God. And today, the first five months of 2023, we are about 200 people more in average attendance than we were in 2019, which was the, the last full year before the pandemic. We, we're averaging almost 2,400 people in worship, in connect groups, which is the heart of the church in my view. It was the connect groups that brought us through the pandemic. We also have the largest number that we've ever had, about 1570 in connect groups, people meeting together. This is not counting Wednesday nights, not counting the women's Bible study on Wednesday morning or other Bible studies during the week. It just counts, it counts our connect groups only, Saturday night and Sunday morning. And, and we are larger than we were in 2019. And how was it that those groups carried us through the pandemic? It's because they stayed in touch with people and because they had a role. And we, we sent it out to people. We asked, would you please call everybody on your role and get in touch with as many as you can and pray for them and tell them they're important to us. And we want to minister to them as we can. The connect groups are at the heart of the church. Our giving is strong and we, we are exceeding the budget, and we're paying off the debt. And Wednesday night, we'll have a, we'll have a, con uh, a uh, congregational meeting. We'll talk about debt, talk about where we are, but we're in a good place because, do, do you know why that's happened? It's because of you, because you give. And by the way, here's what I'd say. All of us should give something. Uh, if... A child, a teenager, certainly adults, all of us should give something. We can't all give the same, but we can all give out of a heart of devotion to God. What is it that we've seen? We've seen changed lives. And we've seen people saved. We've seen people, here, here's some things we do. I call them healing Ministries, probably not the way the word is normally used with church. I call them healing ministries. We have two, we have two grief share groups. 
who meet together out of deep hurt and mourning, and they help each other through it. Half those people are not our members. We have a divorce care group, and they deal with their hurts. We have an Alzheimer's uh, caregivers support group, and they encourage and bless one another. And, and we're going, because of what's going on in the world, because we found a person who feels led to do so, the Lord willing, we're going to start an anxiety group because of the deep anxiety that people are having. And those people are being blessed and helped and encouraged, and they're hearing the gospel, and they're learning about hope and peace and joy and love. But the third thing I want to talk about is our future. We used to have vision meetings where we'd meet for an hour or so and talk about the future and what was going to happen. And I don't have that time now, but I need to talk with you about the future. And we need to talk about things that are right there before us that we have to deal with. And over the months to come, we're going to do a lot of that kind of talking. But today I want to talk with you about this. And here, here's the thing, way it's going to be. It's going to sound like this is a retirement announcement on my part. But it isn't. But here's the way I say it. I don't want to retire. I don't plan to retire. But I can count. And you can count. And we all can count. And the number next to my name keeps going up and up and up. And no matter how I want to hang on to the previous decade, it won't stay there. And so what I want to propose is that instead of being afraid of this, that we embrace it and we cry out to God and we ask him for wisdom and guidance, and we ask him to lead us through this and to bring us out on the other side stronger, better than we've ever been before. That's what I want. And I know that's what you want, and we know that's what God wants. So I want to propose that we go through a process of going from wherever we are to wherever we're going to be and to make it work. And my proposal is that we set apart a group. And my proposal is that that group be the 11 former deacon chairmen of First Baptist Church and me, a group of 12. We didn't intend to make it like the disciples, uh, it just happened to be there are 11 former deacon chairmen of our church. And the reason I would pick that group is because that is the only group in First Baptist Church who have been directly elected to do what they are doing. Now, we don't even do deacon election now uh, like that now. But when these 11 men were elected, they were all directly elected by the church. There was this long group of men. And in order for one to be elected, they had to go, you had to go through and find that name, put a check mark next to it. And all these 11 were elected directly by the church. And then when they became the chairman of deacons, Nobody appointed them. There wasn't a nominating committee. There was just the first meeting where the former chairman said, we need to elect a chairman. And 
two or three and sometimes four nominations are made and then they vote. And so all of them were elected in that way. They are the most representative group that, of men that you can find in the church. And I want to ask them to look at where we are and to start bringing about good, up-to-date processes. Let me give you an example. I've been pastor of the church for 34 years. We haven't called a senior pastor in 34 years. And the process that we use was used for years before I showed up. You can see that it doesn't fit very well a church this size, nor does it fit the culture of the day. So we're, we're going to meet Wednesday night, and that'll be a proposal. You don't get to vote on it Wednesday night. It's a bylaw update, so it's proposed and it is discussed but not voted on. And then the next month, June 28th, it'll be voted on, but not discussed. And so that's the way we make bylaw updates. And that's going to be the case. So what do I hope to accomplish? I hope to stay around a long time. I hope to be your pastor for a long time. Nothing is going to happen quickly. Uh, nothing is going to happen unless something bad happens. Nothing's going to happen quickly. You're going to wonder, is anybody working? We will be. We'll be trying to follow God, follow him along in what he wants us to do. Some things you need to know. By the way, on your way out today, there's a letter for you. Please take one. Uh, I hope you'll take it home with you. Read it two or three times. It expresses our Love our heart for you, our heart for what we're doing. And so we want you to hear that. But we also try to answer some questions that you might have. One of them is that nothing's going to happen quickly. Nothing's going to change next week. We move right on into all the things that God has led us to do. A second thing you need to know is, where did this come from? Well, it came from me. Nobody suggested it. Nobody said you ought to do this. It just came from me. But the groups that I've met with, the pastoral team, uh, all of the people who work in our office building, the deacons, uh, all of them have affirmed it and feel good about it. Uh, but we need you to feel good about it as well. And so uh, this has nothing to do with my health. My health is good. I have a lot of energy. I certainly have a lot of drive. I see all kinds of things I hope for the church in the future. And so none of that is for that reason. It is simply the fact I want to leave the church in a positive, healthy, strong place for the future. Because this community needs the church. Because it needs to be. It needs to be the lighthouse. It needs to preach the gospel. It needs to, there needs to be a church. There are many of those. There needs to be a church that follows Holy Scripture. 
Now, what else do I want to happen? Well, two things that are biblical. As you would expect, I've thought about this for a long time. And since about the first of the year, I've been working through this. And I get up early in the morning and I spend time in scripture and I spend time in prayer. And two passages of scripture have jumped out at me. Now, this is not talking about anybody else, talking about me. I want to fulfill my calling. I want to carry it to the end. Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians. We think Archippus was the pastor at that time. And at the end of Colossians 4.7 or 4.17, Paul said, see to it, tell Archippus to fulfill his calling. Well, it sounds like pretty important to me. And I want to fulfill my calling. I, I, I've told you this before, I was called to preach at age 17. It came from a, a family uh, strongly in the church. It was Easter Sunday night, 1966, April the 10th. Listen to what the Bailey family did that day. I wouldn't know this other things except this is a significant day in my life. We got up early and went to a Easter sunrise service. And then all of the pastors who participated came to our home where my mother cooked breakfast. My dad said he was doing it, but he never did. And my mother cooked breakfast and they ate with us. And then we went to Sunday school and then we had worship and then we had family in the afternoon. And on Sunday night, we went back to church. I sat on the next to the back row with the other guys from my church. And, and by the way, and after church, we went to my best friend's house and they had a fellowship time afterwards. Amazing. How in the world they got that much energy? I don't know. But in that one hour period of time, I went from, I wouldn't do this for anything in the world to all I want to do is what you've allowed me the opportunity to do for 34 years. And I want to fulfill my calling. By the way, not everybody is called as I was. I don't want you to think that way. I don't want young people and, uh, and adults to think that this is the only way you're called to minister. No, God works in his ways, not my ways. I think he just had, had to work in this way with me. And I went from where I wouldn't do this to this is all I want to do, and I still want to do this. The other passage of Scripture that I want to fulfill is I want to stay in the fight. Paul said to Timothy, the, the young protege, he said to him, he said, but you, man of God, flee from these wicked ways and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. These are things for the man of God to do. And then he said, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called for when you made your good confession of faith. I, I have this desire to stay in the fight. I am so thankful I was born in this time period where though things are not the way I want them to be and you want them to be, but that we get to be servants of God and faithful to God in serving him. 
So I don't want to retire, not planning to anytime soon. Here's the way I wish God would do it. I wish God would return soon. Next to the last verse of Scripture, even so come, Lord Jesus. And if I were God in doing this, I'd do it on a Sunday morning. <laughs> and wouldn't that be a wonderful thing that we who are praising God here, by the way, that seems to me that if that were to happen, you may want to check the regularity of your worship attendance because that might be important. We who are praising God in this place would go be with him. Somebody, one of you, sent me a cartoon. It was made up, wasn't real, but it had, it had Andy Griffith and it had Opie. And Opie says, whatever he calls Andy, he says, when is Jesus coming back? And Andy's answer was, Opie, we're not on the planning committee. We're just on the welcoming committee. And I want to be a part of that. And I want you to be a part of that. And I want those of you who have not yet made your con good confession of faith that Paul talked about, that you would do so. And I want this to be a time in which we all think about what does God want me to do and how does he want me to live? So I invite you to come and pray at the steps or pray with a pastor. And, and if you're coming to confess your faith, walk to a pastor and let the pastor walk you through this because this is what God has called us to do. May God bless you. May God bless his church. Let's pray together. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we're thankful for the word of God, the apostles' teaching. We're thankful for the early church and its faithfulness. And God, we want to ask that you would help us to be faithful as well. To serve you, to honor you, to do your will. God, I pray that you would draw people who need to make that good confession of their faith. God, I pray you would draw people who need to repent of their sin and draw close unto you. God, I pray you would go before this church and lead us to what you want us to be. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Come now as we sing.